0: We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations to move away from them.
1: I thought if I didn't sign up for that race that I was just going to disappear.
0: It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. This was such a fun episode to do, such a fun interview. Julia Cole is a country music rising star, and whether you're a fan of country music or not, people pursuing their passion and going about it in a unique way is inspiring and exciting and and can uh, be, be an inspiration for anybody. I'm definitely not planning to be, you know, a country music star, but Julia, I thought her perspective and how she's going about it was awesome. So this is a really unique conversation for us at Without Compromise, but we work with Julia and uh, she's helped bring in uh, athletic brewing to country music fans around the world. So we're going to hear her story, how she amassed over 200 million streams of her songs, how she became a CMT Next Women of Country, uh, played at the Grand Ole Opry, which is like the biggest stage, the most iconic place to play for country music. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Julia Cole, welcome to the show. How you doing?
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: Yeah, good morning. How are you? How are you feeling this morning?
1: I'm feeling fantastic. Obviously, coffee helps.
0: <laughs> I'm still drinking mine right here, and I will all day. But you know, before all this, this is what I want to jump into. You know, you, you you weren't. This wasn't in your career path essentially till much much later. What what were you growing up doing? What were you growing up interested in? What do you th- What did you kind of have in mind of what you wanted to do before before this started taking off?
1: Yes, I definitely started country music in a bizarre way. Um, I got my start singing national anthems for my own volleyball and basketball games. And it actually started as a duet with my older sister. And we sang for our basketball games. And she graduated. And then they started asking me to do the anthem by myself. And I was like, you know, why not? I've been doing this for a couple of years with her. Like, I can do it. But it wasn't, you know something I was pursuing like as a career or anything like that. And then my junior year of high school, my volleyball coach was like, you should send a video into to the Texans. So my dad recorded a little video of me singing the national anthem at home and sent it into the Texans. And over the next year I started singing for the Houston Texans, the Astros, NASA, the Houston Dynamo, the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And I was in front of 75,000 people with jets flying over singing this song, a cappella as a high school student. And I wasn't nervous.
0: Oh, my God. See, that was going to be my question. It was, were you nervous? And, and were you nervous during the high school games? Because, you know, I don't know. I, I played in sports. I was always nervous just for the game, much less if I had the expectation to sing the national anthem beforehand. Were, were you nervous about any of that?
1: The only sport I was ever nervous for was track. And it's because when you're on the, you know, the starting blocks or the line, you are aware that you're about to put your body through like the most pain it can possibly take for the next however long your race is versus basketball and volleyball, where you're just like, there's always a chance to make up for a mistake. It's not one and done. And and so I never really got crazy nerves for, for games like that. I would get amped and super excited to play but not really nervous and singing the national anthem at the beginning of my games, it was more of like, you know, your party trick. It was like, Oh, I'm going to sing. And then I'm going to run back out on the court. It wasn't because I was trying to pursue it. So I didn't really put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but I guess when everyone started asking me, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Like how scared were you? And I was like, I wasn't. And that I realized that there was something different there because The vast majority of people were shaking in their boots for me while I was singing at that first NFL game. And I was just looking around watching, you know, fireworks go off. I was just staring at the crowd. Totally fine.
0: Wow. That is, that's really fascinating. Cause I mean, even the players who are professionals talk about having nerves before every game and they're not even out there alone. You know, they're out there with 21 other people. Uh, What, do you think that nerves keeps some artists from, from going farther or changes their path? Because I feel like that could have been a huge hindrance had it, had it been there.
1: If you're going to be a musician and you want to do it professionally, you have to be extremely bold because if you're like timid or nervous, how are you going to go up there and sing songs that you've written about the most personal parts of your life? or go up there and sing for a crowd when you're you've been sick and your voice isn't a hundred percent it's like it just has to be a, a different mentality around your performance and your music than i guess a perfectionist would have or someone who's extremely nervous about a lot of things would have because that's just not really the the art of sharing music you have to be willing to be vulnerable and Okay with it,
0: you know. I, I've often thought, and this is—you're a great person to ask—is—is is, you know, when when you see someone who maybe you know gets famous, you know, goes viral first, and then they're on tour, and I'm like, wow, how did they? Were that was the gift of of like the the work in the crowd and being in front of that many people? Was it always there, or did they have to learn that in the sense of like not? like put it on a show. I've kind of mm-hmm. been blown away by people like, wow, they went from just recording themselves like this on a screen to in front of all these people. And they seem to just be doing it really well. You you must just really get swept up in the moment. I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there might be some artists that, that can't make that tra- transition. I don't know.
1: You're definitely right. There's a lot of learning that happens when you go to, you know, from, from making music in a, you know, private location to performing and having to, involve a crowd within your show because they are they're just as big of a part of the show as your guitar your bass your drum kit like the crowd participation and reaction it really is like another instrument and at the same time they're the ones who you're trying to to make sure they have a good gr- a great night um and to feel something from the songs that you're playing so i i would say yes some people have it as a natural gift but no matter who you are, the more you do it, the better you're gonna get
0: at it. You're from the Houston area, huge music hub, so many huge artists, some of my favorite of all time, um, everything from country to R&B to rap to um, just kind of a mix of everything, um, mm-hmm. even like close to, to, to jazz hub and, and, and Cajun music. You, I mean, you're right there. Who were some of your musical uh, influences growing up, inspirations? And how has that changed now that you are a performer yourself? Who, How has your influence and who influences you and your music changed over time? Cool question.
1: I always get the first one, but I never get the back half of that. Um, my favorite Houston artist is definitely Beyonce. And I've got to say, growing up, it was it was across the board, any genre, I just loved vocalists. Anyone who could just like, Sing the phone book and you'd still listen to it. I was just fascinated with the runs they would do and the notes they could hit. So obviously Beyonce's one, but like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Kelly Clarkson, um, Gary Lavox from Rascal Flats, Steve Perry from Journey, even some Tim McGraw songs where he's just singing with such a beautiful, you know, passion and voice. It was always for me about really the the stinger more than the song. And that is the main thing that's changed for me. Now, I, you know, you, you have to experience a little bit of life to be impacted by lyrics and to relate to things. So as a little kid, you know, I'm not going to understand heartbreak or growing up or any of the things that people write songs about. But I could just love a voice or a rhythm, which is kind of all I would listen to. Now it's about the song. And... Nashville this city it's the mecca of songwriting and I've just been taught from the greatest songwriters in the world like what makes an amazing song and so that has shaped who I'm listening to a lot now and really kind of studying their lyric and just learning from and right now I think hands down I think like the best songwriter right now has got to be hardy
0: wow i just saw hardy
1: his lyrics are just unbelievable and and he's a friend of mine i haven't written anything with him but like it's it's interesting being in this industry when you can be friends with people and still just be like totally amazed by the art that they make and if you listen to any of his songs go find the one called a rock that's the lyric where you're kind of going to understand what I'm talking about. There's not a single wasted space of real estate in it, and it just touches on so many different emotional parts of you know, the human experience and does it somehow in such a relatable way. It's just amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's uh, funny you mentioned that. I had a friend who was a photographer at uh, the Gulf Coast Jam in Panama City, Do- not a country music fan at all and grew up in Brooklyn, just like not, not at all in this world, but somehow got wrapped into this, good friend of mine. And he goes, he, that Hardy got him into country music. He was sitting there phot- photographing like on stage and then below, you know, right there up front. And he's like, these guys, and he mentioned the lyrics. The messages of this song was awesome. And he was just like, all he's been all about it since. That's interesting, that's interesting. So even for you as, as a, a songwriter and an artist yourself, It's that impactful.
1: It's not as easy to do what is being done in his songs as people think. And there's a reason why he not only has a bunch of songs for himself that are doing well, but he's written a lot of other big artists, number one hits. He's just a fantastic songwriter. But that is the main thing I would say that's super different from what my influence is. Like young Julia versus now Julia, it's a lot more about the song and the lyric than just what the singer can do what kind of you know backflips they can do with their voice
0: there's a lot of old Nashville songwriters a lot of my favorite songwriters that you when, when you're like looking at their entire catalog they've written thousands and thousands of songs yet you know you know maybe a few dozen how do you balance quantity versus quality and you, can you feel a hit coming on like like this is going to be a big one Or is it just a matter of I've got to get more music out there and at some point one of them will be great? Or is it really tart? You know what I mean? How do you balance just keeping content coming out versus waiting on that right, that right song?
1: It's very hard to balance the demand of today's social media, which is constant content. And it's, it is more of quantity over quality and there's algorithms you're trying to stay in and all of those different things but at the end of the day you do know when a song is better you do know when you're writing one and it's just like really emotionally making you feel something or you're just sometimes the lyrics just fall out and the song just comes together and you didn't really have to like work that hard for it um there are a lot of times where you have this feeling like okay got to put this one out. But the thing I'll have to say is no matter how much you love a song or how much you believe in it, or you're proud of yourself for that lyrical flip, having a double meaning, and it also simultaneously reaching this group of people about this thing that could have happened in their life while gripping, reaching this other group of people. You know, as, as much as you think it's the best thing since sliced bread, it just doesn't matter unless the fans love it. And that is the cool thing about social media. We have the opportunity now to just directly communicate with our consumer on what song do you like the most. It'll never stop me from writing a song because it is simultaneously therapy when you're just writing about something and you just never know which one's gonna work. So the balance I would say is it's write everything that you want to write because somebody might need to hear that message and you just might need to to get that feeling or thought down onto paper. But other than that, the way that we can connect with people now to just figure out what they're relating to more, you can start to kind of learn which things are helping people through situations in their life more to a point where they're asking for another version of it or mm-hmm. an extension of it in, in an, into an entire album versus just a song or something like that.
0: Hmm. How, do you, how do you feel about something that, that we're seeing right now is a cover of, I guess, what was being lost to this generation, Fast Car mm-hmm. uh, by Tracy Chapman being covered by Lou Combs. It's such a beautiful song and it and it topped it the charts. H- how do you feel about covering? Because I, I asked because getting ready for this, I listened to your cover of I'm gonna love you forever. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is incredible. I love a good cover, especially when the artist does it in their own style. And I might like it better than the original <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> so it's like, you can kind of, not reinvent the wheel in that sense by covering a really beautiful song that means a lot to you. What what's your approach to to choosing a song to do to do that with versus writing it yourself?
1: Could you imagine if you hadn't said you heard my covers and I was just like, "Cover songs are so lame. I can't believe anybody <laughs> sings them." <laughs> I I love cover songs for a couple of reasons. Someone here in town taught me nobody wants someone else's love song for their own like you're if if a specific song was the one that my older sister was playing on repeat because she was falling in love with somebody when I fall in love with somebody I don't want that same love song to be the one I play on repeat I go find my own and it's why there are thousands of songs all written about the same experiences everybody wants their own for that moment they're going through or let's say that's from their you know, their ex, they're not going to have that same love song playing when they meet somebody new. You want a new version of it. And I think cover songs kind of give a song another life to, to be reimagined, like you said. Um, but the way that I like to do cover songs, it also is from kind of a different perspective. The majority of the songs that I do are originally sung by men, and then I sing it from the girl's perspective. So I really do think that, it can kind of impact people in a different way when they hear it from their own voice or a voice more similar to theirs. And that has been really fun for me because I've also gotten to break down some songs that maybe I feel like the production was done in an upbeat way because they needed a radio single or they needed a song to, to be rocking during their live show. The majority of those covers I've done on my like, her side of the story project, covering these guy songs, I take their full band production and I just cover it in like a slower, acoustic, broken down, focus on the lyric kind of a way. And you wouldn't believe how sad some of these songs are. And I didn't even know it, you know, like I knew Neon Moon Oh, but I gosh. didn't realize how <laughs> sad the lyrics are, because it's like an upbeat song kind of, and the goes down. Almost, you know? And now it's if you listen to the words, it is like heartbreaking.
0: I've got a uh I've got someone I know going through gosh, the worst situation. Uh divorce. And I was talking to him the other day and I said, You know what you have on your hands? And they said, What? I said an amazing country song. <laughs> and I said, you just gotta write it down.
1: Yeah, tell and them to so, call me.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's what it is. You're right. It's so sad, but it's so powerful. And you mentioned one of my all-time favorites and millions of others, Neon Moon.
1: But I will say there is one version of covering a song that I am kind of on the fence about. I I don't know that I love the reimagined versions. I don't think that it's just about a song. I think simultaneously you have to have the right artist paired with the song to make that thing magic. Mm -hmm. For example, Tennessee Whiskey. That song had been cut by a lot of other major labor artists and released. Chris Stapleton brought it to the masses. Mm -hmm. His voice married with that song is what made it just magical. Mm
0: -hmm. That's. uh, I'll tell you what I don't like. Covers that are trying to mimic exactly what the song was. Yeah. Um,
1: you can't do it better than the original. It's just not going to happen. I learned that watching American Idol as a little kid. Because I remember if somebody would try to sound like Whitney Houston, it wasn't going to happen. Gonna be, like You
0: ain't going to out Whitney. You're never
1: going to out Whitney Whitney. like Don't even try to do that. But if you're like a rocker and you change the way that song sounds completely and you... You realize that, okay, like, yeah, Dolly Parton did it first. That same song can be done in different ways. It's Dolly's song. But don't try to do it the same way as somebody because good luck. That's why I do more of my, all the, almost all the covers I do are guy songs. Because I'm like, I'm not trying to sound like them. It's not going to happen. I'm a, I'm a female. We're not going to sound like
0: well, you know, I, I kind of want to draw it back because I know we're, we're in the weeds here, which this is really interesting. Um, I didn't expect <laughs> it to, to get this much uh, from you in this sense. But, um, you know, all this could have been totally different for you. You had an audition. You talked about watching American Idol, but you had an audition on American mm-hmm. Idol as well. But you couldn't sing that day. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like worst case scenario life-changing situation and you and you actually had them play a video of you singing can can you tell us that story
1: it is an interesting story um I will first say that American Idol never aired me on anything so none of my followers none of my streams nothing has come from anything that that show did but I did get to meet Katy Perry and, and Luke Bryan and Lionel Richie and Brian Seacrest and do the thing, you know, a producer from the show reached out to me and asked me to come audition. And they were trying to get some singers on there who I guess could balance out the comedy side of it with audition. So I go in there to sing and make it past whatever their, the producer panel. I never like was in the big cattle call line or anything like that, but they sent me into the next, they were like, come back and, a few weeks and, you know, it'll be with Luke and Katie and Lionel. And I, I don't know if you know my little sister, she has gotten on to me so much about it, but I used to not sleep at all. I still don't sleep very much, but I used to really not sleep. And I would feel fine in the sense of like being awake. I could go do a workout or go do something academic and be totally fine. But I didn't realize that my body just, I kept losing my voice. I kept getting sick. My allergies were worse. And it was mostly because of a lack of sleep. Anyway, I completely lost my voice. I was super sick when the, the audition came around for me to be actually recorded. And I didn't really care because I was already doing my Nashville thing. And it already felt kind of weird to like go pretend that I'm just fresh off the streets of Houston or something and trying to, you know, try out for American Idol. But regardless, I was like, it could be a cool opportunity. And there were a lot of other things going on in my life at the same time that it was a great escape from to go to LA and get out of town. And, um, so I was like, whatever, I'll just go in there and, I'll sing something easy that they basically will either like or not like, but it is what it is. So I sang some song. I don't remember what it was, but it was like very low and had a couple runs in it, but I'm not hitting any high notes. You know what I mean? Where your voice is just going to go out because my voice is gone. Mm -hmm. And then they were all three like, that was pretty, but like we've read, you know, in our producer notes that you, are a national anthem singer that's how you got your start doing the anthem for the NFL and I was like I I literally started laughing I was like I love the national anthem but I promise you you do not want to hear me sing that right now and they were like what like why I was like my voice is completely gone like I'm trying to sing just like something easy so that you know I don't embarrass myself in front of y'all but trust me nobody nobody deserves that for me to sing the anthem right now and they were kind of like, well, this is, you know, I don't know really what to say. That's kind of what our, our plan was. That's what we needed to hear. And again, I'm kidding. And I literally go, well, shoot, just pull up a video of me on YouTube. It's there.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Luke Bryan pulls his phone out of his pocket, goes to YouTube and pulls up my national anthem at an NFL game. And the three of them, like, huddle up and start watching it on his cell phone. And, you know, they hear me hit the high notes and do the thing. You can see I'm in front of whatever, a whole stadium of people. And they were like, our curiosity's peaked. You've got to come back for another round. <laughs> so that's how I made it. And I made it all the way. I got cut at top top 20, I think. Um, but... They don't air everybody up to that point, so I was never aired or anything like that. But I got to to meet so many different people and have such a great time doing it. But it was definitely, I guess, in the same way that I love what you said earlier: athletic brewing. It's you know brewing without compromise. It's finding another way, fi- finding an alternative route, and with with cover songs or with you know figuring out how to play them, the national anthem on a cell phone because my voice didn't work. It's kind of just always. Figuring out a way, no matter what, without compromise to, to keep the music
0: going. That's awesome. And, and, and you know, you're doing it in a way that's, you're not forgetting where you came from. Can you tell us uh, about the Poppy collection? I, when I learned about that, I, I, was, I just thought it was the coolest tribute to, uh, oh. to, to your roots.
1: This is my absolute favorite thing to talk about
0: because I <laughs> should have mentioned it earlier then.
1: <laughs> it's the truest thing to who I am as a person as I could possibly think of to be a part of my brand and be a part of my stage wear because family is the most important thing in the world to me. And it's been the one thing that's been super consistent. And I know a lot of people can't say that. So I understand how special it is and how blessed I am to have the best parents in the world. And my two sisters are my best friends. Like our family is a team. We've always been the coal team. It's this unit. And that extends to, you know, my grandparents and my cousins. We're all super close. Anyway, I've only lost one grandparent. And we're all they, My grandparents had done a lot to shape who, who I am. Not only obviously did they raise my parents, but we spent a lot of time at their homes in Louisiana, on their farm, just making memories and learning about where we came from and what's important in life and perspective. Poppy, my grandfather on my mom's side, was definitely, of the four of my grandparents, the one who loved country music the most, by far. He played bass. He sang in the church choir. He was just obsessed with music. His friends would come over to his place and they would you know, play. One of his friends gave me a guitar. It's on my wall over here, actually. Like, I definitely think that that trickle-down love of music that was just in my soul, regardless of if I realized it or not, came from Poppy. And he loved the Grand Ole Opry more than anything. And I didn't even know about the Grand Ole Opry when I was little. It's It's
0: like you hear the phrase, but you don't know what that means.
1: It's hard to understand it from somewhere else. And the way our world is today, there's just so much to consume constantly. The Opry used to be it. The Grand Ole Opry used to be the only way you were going to get your country music that week. Like, it was what people followed religiously if they loved country music. And and um, obviously, since moving to Nashville, it became the goal, the pinnacle, because everyone in town helped me realize, okay, you, you sing at the Grand Ole Opry, and that is country music deeming you worthy and part of the family. You don't get up there without an invitation and it's a really special one. So Poppy would always talk about me getting to make it to the Opry and it being this big deal. And he would finally think that I made it kind of at that point. And right before I got to make my grand old Opry debut, um, he was, he got very, very sick, kind of been sick for a while, but it had taken a turn for the worse. And I knew he wasn't going to make it and be able to actually come to Nashville for my opera debut. So I was able to ask him before he passed away if I could wear something of his on stage. He gave me all of his old western wear shirts and my friend Kelly, who I literally just DM'd on Instagram because I had seen her do some design work, I I just messaged her and was like, I've got my opera debut coming up. I really want to find a special way to to have Poppy with me on stage and still be wearing you know, a dress that is beautiful and respectful of how much I honor this moment. Um, and she was like, I've never done something like this before, but what an amazing project. Let's, let's see what we can think of. Let's see what we can figure out. And so we got together and started working on a dress for the Grand Ole Opry. And before I got to make my Opry debut, CMT asked me to come walk the CMT red carpet. And it was last minute. And I was like, I have to wear this dress. So I wore the first poppy dress for the CMT red carpet. And then I asked Kelly to make me another one because I wanted it to have a fresh debut for, for my Opry. So we start working on another piece. Use a different one of his shirts. Make another dress. And then Charles Aston asks me to sing our duet with him on the Grand Ole Opry stage first, actually before my debut. So I've never stepped in the circle yet, which if you know the Opry, there's there's this one circle from the original church, this piece of wood that's moved. No matter where the Opry's gone, that original piece of wood is the piece of wood that Elvis Presley was on, you know, Mm -hmm. Johnny Cash, everybody. And, um, so I knew I wasn't going to step in the circle yet, but it was still my first time singing at the Opry. So I wore the dress for that. And then she, I was like, can you just make me another one for my actual Opry debut? That was literally two weeks later. And so she made me another dress. And then by that point, you know, I got to make my Grand old Opry debut. I sang a song that I wrote for and about my grandma and my mom, uh, It's called White Pearls, just about how moms and grandmas are angels here on Earth. Uh, I got to sing that song to my family wearing Poppy's clothing. And I felt like he got to make his Opry debut at the same time as me. And he was with us in spirit for sure. Um, But after we had kind of had those three different big things where I was wearing this Poppy you know, hug every time I sang, it was like, I don't ever want to perform again without this. Like this is a piece of me, a piece of my family, a piece of poppy that it helps me during my show. One, remember my roots Two, explain to people how much family means to me and how, if there's anything that they can prioritize or work on in their life, let it be their family somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. Um, because that that support system like if you're if you're blessed enough to, to have a situation where it can be your circle not don't take it for granted and um the poppy collection has lived on and now every single stage where item i've had since then poppy's been a piece of it and it's
0: the whole brand now i mean the coloring from his his shirt he, he had some style I'm going to say he had some style. Them shirts are bold and brilliant and just the Southwestern vibe. Gorgeous, Mm -hmm. gorgeous shirts. He
1: he definitely, he made it easy. And it's funny because it's not like I could do this with anybody else's clothes. Some of my cousins were like, are you going to do this with any other grandparents' clothing? And I'm like, nobody had Poppy style like Poppy. Poppy was out there like a vibe he was walking into a room and he was wearing his his big cowboy hat his big belt buckle even my first anthem for the texans i had like 20 people on the sidelines and they were all blood related to me except for like two people and poppy was just big cowboy hat big belt buckle boots you know he was he was out there Silent for
0: sure. Always. That's such a cool story, and I mean, it's just he was there, like you said. But wow, what what did it? I'm glad he got to at least knew you were going to to yeah, get it Yeah, me off too. You. That is. I'm very awesome. thankful for. I love that. Um, well, you know, let, let's uh, let's jump into a couple rapid fire questions. Just a handful. You don't have to be one word. Just a phrase or two. Um, and this might you might have answered it, but uh, what song has been most special to you to write or one that kind of stands out right now? Cause I know that can change over time. That can change on the day. Uh, is there anything that sticks out to you of, of just, this was a really meaningful piece of work.
1: If I hadn't just given you the whole rundown of white pearls, I would probably say that song.
0: I figured It's yeah. the
1: one that I wrote that one by myself and a lot of my other songs I co-write. And I also wrote that one about family and it's just, it's, It's for some reason, no matter, like this song never went viral on social media or something. But for some reason, that song is the one that makes people cry every show. And I just cannot take it out of my set. It's like, even at big party festivals where you don't think like a broken down, slow, emotional song will work. I always still play it because it's like somebody needs that message. And, and I, it's the one that people come up to me the most after my set and they're like, oh my gosh, that White Pearl song. Like I sent a video of it to my family immediately. So that one is, is really special to me for, I guess, personal reasons and emotional reasons, but songs that have done a lot to kind of change my career maybe. I have a song called Side Piece and that was the first one that I had really go viral And when I tell you I went to sleep posting a video of that song and I woke up to millions of views and about 30,000 videos of women and men singing, lip syncing to the song. 30,000 videos, which those had millions of views, too. I mean, it was it was the most it was the first real experience I've ever had with virality. And it happened literally overnight. It was incredible. It changed my life. It changed my whole career.
0: And I, and I want to ask real quick, this is kind of just, I'm curious, you know, what, what's what been something that's really helped you transition into stardom? Uh, maybe a, like, is there something like you've realized, oh, there's a, this is a huge misconception about being famous or uh, it sounds like family is a huge part of that. But, you know, is there anything that you kind of have been surprised about when it comes to stardom?
1: Definitely. Lots of things I've been surprised about. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm sure I'm sure that's a big question.
1: <laughs> but I think I think one of the main things, there's two two main things and one kind of it probably sounds like a broken record because you hear people say it, but when you finally learn it for yourself, being authentic to who you are, staying true to yourself is so important. It's like the only thing that matters. People can smell, a fraud from a mile away. You can't just make music that you think is gonna work because you wanna make money. I mean, when you if you don't genuinely believe in the words you're singing and the music you're making, no one else is gonna believe it either. And I really did learn that through the process of doing and the process of experimenting because everyone has those thoughts when you first start out of like, okay, well, how am I gonna do this for it to work? And and when you take a step back and you stop thinking about it like that, that's when everything starts working.
0: Because yeah, if, if, if you're not playing you know writing authentic music, you're not going to want to sing it in 10, 15, 20 years either you know but if it comes from True. the heart and you you believe in these messages and they're timeless in a sense, you're going to put your heart into performing it years down the road.
1: And one of the beautiful things about the human experience is that, There is nothing on this planet that someone else hasn't already felt before and that someone else will feel again afterwards. Everybody shares these emotions. So if you're feeling it, there's a chance that somebody needs to hear a song about that. And the more things you can write about that are authentic to who you are, it's just you're going to write about it from a truer place and it's just going to be a better song.
0: Wow, that's great. Great advice for anybody out there Well, doing anything, not just music, but anything, any, any problem you want to solve. I mean, this whole brewery started because our founder felt that way, like you do about yeah. your music, about this mission. There's got to be, I want this in the world. Why is it out there? I'm guaranteed mm-hmm. millions of others do. Um, but, you know, in our last few minutes, I do want to ask a couple of these kind of about your life Um Another rapid fire. What are you most curious about right now, outside of music? What what what's kind of piquing your interest?
1: I mean, I still do hobby wise, I'll still do a lot of athletic things. Like I played in a volleyball tournament this weekend and that's yeah. kind of my outside of music, I guess, direction where I can vent or like live my own separate world from the country music scene. But curiosity wise there are always so many different things that I'm I'm fascinated by. This has nothing to do with something that I would actually do with my own life. But I am such a nerd with my obsession with European history. I have gotten like hooked on it and I'm very curious about it for for so many reasons that I like to tell myself are, are deeper than they probably really are. Cause it really it's it's entertainment, is what it is. But on top of that the same things I was talking about with like the human experience, the human emotions, the things people are dealing dealing with. When you learn about how things had to be done in medieval times, and then you think about how things are done now, it'll give you a fantastic perspective on how great you have it now. I mean, (laughs) it really is insane. What, what used to go down. So I guess that's one of my pieces of curiosity is just learning about how our same species went through all of these different life experiences back before they had some of the things that we have today that make it a
0: lot easier. It's it's That's really interesting. So uh, what would you say your most proud, proudest achievement outside of music is so far?
1: Um, there are a lot of charity organizations that I have been involved with and been really proud of kind of the impacts that I have been able to help make on some of these people who are going through difficult times in their lives. And there's many different ways to do it. One of the passions I've had is promoting women's athletics for the youth, because I think sports taught me so much about hard work and being a team player and leadership and handling constructive criticism and a million of the things that helped me be successful and I truly believe any field I would have gone into because I learned how to how to practice and work hard from athletics. So I've I've worked with the Boys and Girls Club, raised money to get them a bunch of athletic equipment for all of their clubs. Uh, Because a lot of times it's funding that young girls and boys just don't have the money to afford to be on a sports team. And by the time they hit seventh grade and it's school sports, everyone else has been playing for five years and it's just better than they are and they don't make the team. So it's, if you can, that's one of the things I've been proud of doing is trying to make youth athletics more accessible to, you know, first and foremost, young girls, because that's one of my biggest passions that I don't think gets pushed because there are so many there are so many famous iconic celebrity men who talk about how much they love sports or loved playing sports growing up. There are very few women who preach the same message. And so I, I just, I'm trying to be one of those
0: voices. As you, as you pursue these big goals and, and write these amazing songs and, and, and take on these challenges, what, what's a daily habit you stick to that really helps you kind of stay on track?
1: I actually have like a checklist of things that I try to get done every day. And I, I try to make it attainable so that I'm never, you try Like I try to make my battles winnable for myself so that I can start every day off with a win. So it's little things like making sure I make my bed, making sure I, read this little goals list that I have and read this gratitude list that I have can be done very quickly, but there's still, you know, two more things I get to check off the list. I try to drink around a gallon of water a day. And so that's on my checklist, but for things that are starting out in the morning, um, definitely the, the mentality, I actually was listening to a podcast it was a Tim Ferriss podcast. And I think it was the one where he has like a Navy seal on it, but Mm -hmm. it it was the idea of if you wake up every morning and you make your bed, you're starting every single day off with a win. And you know, when you come home that night, no matter what's gone on in your day, you can look at something that you accomplished already at the start of that day. Mm -hmm. And it just puts you in the right mindset of like, you're not gonna climb back into bed either if you've already made it. So Yeah. That's one of the things I think that I try to focus on.
0: But yeah, that's that's one of those little things. It just you feel complete. It feels like, okay, this is I can keep this momentum going. Um, is there any is there any hobbies you have that you don't often talk about? And this is second to last question. I got one more after this and we're done.
1: Hobbies other than playing sports hanging out with my family I mean this isn't really a hobby I guess but I'm obsessed with the beach like I am a beach bum I'm the only reason I don't live on the coast of Florida is because of music row like if I could relocate this industry into you know some beach town I would
0: that's where I live coast of Florida
1: I'm so jealous of you really? I can play sand volleyball every day, just get to tan, go play my guitar. Oh, I just, it's not a hobby, but if traveling to beaches could be considered a hobby, I make it happen. Like I go a lot. Oh, I can't believe I didn't just say this one. Um, I actually do a lot of crazy world travels as my hobby. My best friend from Vanderbilt, she got me onto it, but... We've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa, which is one of the seven summits of the world, like 20,000 feet up, you know, she's on oxygen at the top of it, eight days in a tent climbing. We've done, we've climbed volcanoes in El Salvador and Guatemala. We've been uh, backpacking and camper van trekking all around the North and South Island of New Zealand, where we went bungee jumping, did the world's largest swing through a canyon.
0: Jeez.
1: We've been to Cuba, which is just, we've been to Costa Rica. We've been through Europe together. I love to go experience new places. Yeah. And I, I definitely like to do, I'll do anything that's kind of like a bucket list item. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel the need to go do it again. Like I run a marathon, for example, but I'm not like going to go become a marathon runner. I'm, I'm going to keep experiencing new things. I just love a new culture or, learning a new thing. And that's what some of these travels have kind of helped me do.
0: That's awesome. Oh man. All right. Last question is, you know, here at athletic brewing, uh, we brew without compromise because you, when you do anything that's definitely different or just, you know, you're going against the grain, you just, you, you almost, you have to do it just as excellent as possible as, 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 highest integrity, highest uh, quality as possible. So we say brew without compromise, but we realize it's hard to isolate that part of your life and do that excellently. You kind of have to start living that way in general and live without compromise. What is living without compromise mean to you?
1: I feel like we've definitely gone full circle on this because I remember wanting to talk about this at the very beginning of the podcast and us going in a different direction. But My experience in the Nashville music industry has been bizarre. Nothing has happened the standard stereotypical way. And I've always just had this belief and this faith without compromise that for some reason, somehow, some way it's going to work out. And despite me, I've never pitched to record labels. I'm an independent artist. Despite that being a huge piece right there of me doing something against the grain, I've had over a million monthly listeners on Spotify every month for like the last year. I have over 200 million streams. This invitation to sing at the Grand Ole Opry, I sang on the Ryman stage for the first time last week. And that's like the mother church of country music. The original Opry was at the Ryman. Like everything that has happened so far, being a, a CMT Next Woman of Country. Every person I've gotten to open for that's just an iconic country music artist that I've looked up to forever, and I finally, you know, get to share a stage with them. I sang a duet on stage with Dirks Bentley last month. Like <laughs> these crazy things are happening despite me going about this career in a completely different way than any textbook would have told me to. I didn't sign any of the deals I was supposed to sign, I didn't listen to The people who said, well, if you don't do it this way, it's never going to happen. And I'm grateful because doing it a different way has allowed me to connect with people in a different way because I can relate. I I never got picked up somewhere and and blown up. It's been tons of hard work and a really a mutual love between myself and the Cole team, which is what I prefer over the word fan any day of the week because they are, my teammates without them I don't have a job and without my songs they can't you know enjoy this concert so we work together as a team to experience this country music together and I'm so grateful for it.
0: There you have it, folks. You can find out more about Julia's music, uh, listen to some of her songs, some of those songs mentioned in this episode on anywhere you stream music. And if you'd like to find out more about Athletic Brewing and try some of our non-alcoholic beers, which you can see in some of her music videos, actually, that just came out, find us on store shelves as well on our website, athleticbrewing.com.